After a tour in Iraq, this National Guardsman started making wine and mead out of his garage, enrolled in classes at Northwestern Wine Academy in Seattle, founded the American Mead Association, and is starting his own meadery. Tonight, we'll meet Chris Weber from Dragon's Lair Meads. Plus, does Rube Goldberg have a room at your place? He does at mine. We'll talk about some equipment ideas that don't break the bank and that you can build at home. Crashing your mead. What do you do? We want to hear from you all that and more. Get your mead and your phone. Join Vicki, AJ, and I for a night of Got Mead Live. And we are live here on a Tuesday night. Of course, it's always a Tuesday night, isn't it, ladies? Uh, yep. So far, so good. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to start the show out. I've got a shout out. Actually, got a couple of shout outs that uh, we want to throw out there. And if he's not listening, too bad. Uh, this one, the first one goes out to Sergio Mutella from Melovino Meadery. I know you're out there, dude, and I know you're <laughs> listening. You're listening all the time. And his really big tanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your tanks uh, are so huge. And she said are. size didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> they are. He puts up, uh, he, he put up, uh, I know he's been listening because, you know, when people start talking about these amazing fermenters, I mean, I'm like both ears. Okay. I'm all in. And, of course, AJ and Vicky know very well uh, all of that. And then, uh, Sergio, I know you've been listening because you posted a picture up of what I would dream of having in my place. And uh, thank you very much. Those monstrous-looking fermenters are on the Got Mead Facebook uh, group page. <laughs> Amazing stuff, guy. He posted that just to get you drilling. You know I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I, and I was, I mean, I was just, the stuff was just drooling down my chin. Just so you know, Sergio, when JD's wife beats the shit out of him and then throws him out of the house, it'll be your fault. <laughs> yeah, I'm, co- I'm coming to live with you, dude. Yeah. He's coming to Jersey, dude. So you best make room next to one of those fermenters. I appreciate the, uh, <laughs> you know, I bet you make a really, you'd probably make a really good mead slave. There's yeah. a thought. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate the uh, the thought there, Sergio. Also want to uh, say hey to uh, Al Hidrath, the Four Oaks, North Carolina, and the Johnson County Beekeepers Association. Four Oaks, isn't that close to, uh, where is it that you live again? In the boonies? Well, I live in the, I don't really live in the boonies. I live about 30 miles outside Raleigh, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I was, just, I was startled when I saw that I'm going to have to hunt this guy down and uh, connect with him. Johnston County is about three counties over from me. So it's not real far. Yeah. Um, saw his post in the, in the mead group on Facebook. If you just go to facebook.com and just type mead. Uh, but, uh, again, I wanted to say hey to Al Hidrath, the Four Oaks, North Carolina, and the Johnson County Beekeepers Association. Ladies, what are we drinking tonight? Chai, because they won't let me have booze. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. And, yeah, uh, we're still trying to get my levels straightened out and until they get my meds fixed, doing what they're supposed to do so my blood doesn't fall out of my body or whatever. 
then yeah, I can't drink. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, and we did, uh, you know, I should have started a show out like that, but uh, we, we did miss you last week. Um, uh, we were of course, minus one, but he, uh, had kind of an incident. <laughs> Yeah, for anybody that doesn't already know, um, I ended up in the ER and ended up having a whole lot of blood clots in my lungs and was in the hospital for a couple of days, and I'm still dealing with that. So, yeah, I'm going to be okay, but it's going to take a while. <laughs> Who made you go? Oh, yo, you're just never going to let me live that down. J.D. nagged <laughs> me, nagged me like an old woman until I went. So. And I made her text me when she was in the car and on the way, by God. Yeah, yeah, it sounds yeah. like a damn good oh. thing he did. Well, yeah, well I, I mean, honestly, those things all happened about a week before that. So I mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have died that night, but it was getting pretty. The doctors were not amused that when they found out I'd been waiting a week, they're like, seriously, do you want to die? And I'm like, no. Don't ever let me find out. Don't let. Don't ever let me find out you're sick and not feeling good, and be talking to me about it. Because I'll make you go to the doctor or the hospital. (laughs) Uh, With all with that, AJ, I know you're drinking tonight. Yeah, I got uh, the other half of that bottle of blackberry mead from Rossingell Estate in PAI. This stuff is so good. I was just licking the drips off the bottom of the bottle. Oh wow! Oh, it's good. Amazing. I, uh, I'm drinking cherry. Uh, this is honey run, uh, proprietor's reserve. It says on the bottle, it's a cherry honey wine. Um, I, I, I don't know. There's not a lot of information about how it's made on the bottle, but I, I guess it's mead. Vicki, you probably. Yeah, no, a lot of them use honey wine because, um, depending on the TTB agent you get, they may or may not let you use mead on your labels. You can get it, but it takes kind of a fight. Honey Run is one of the older meaderies. They've been out there for a long time, and they were fighting that fight before they'd ever even heard of mead at the TTB. I mean, even less than now. So some of the really old meads, you'll find, say, honey wine on them. Not all of them, because some of them managed to get through the right, ch- uh, you know, people and whatnot. But well, uh, you know. It is. They are in Chico, California, and this is kind of a weird place. So, <laughs> uh, but it is good. It's a little. It's kind of dry. I mean, it's got that cherry juice dryness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit sweet, um, which not, it should be for cherry. I think. Although yeah. uh, there are people who will argue with me that a dry cherry meat is really awesome. I like it with a little residual sweetness myself. Well, and I, you know, I, I actually prefer a little drier wines to, anyway. Um, this is probably right at my limit for sweetness, uh, but it tastes very good. And I, I could drink this on a very hot day here in Southern California for sure. So uh, with that, welcome to Got Mead Live. Um, you know, and I keep pushing this patron member thing. And I, I, I don't know, maybe I should start getting commissions on this. What do you think, ladies? Uh, 25 bucks a year and the year is almost up so the price may be going up uh, and that 25 bucks a year annually a year people I'm going to say that again a year only a year Uh, that 25 bucks or whatever it might be you know hell even even if it was 50 bucks okay it's well worth it because gotme.com is the only place you need to get information about making mead whether you're new old uh you know a professional mead maker there is so much here 
there really is no other place out there. There's no point in going anywhere else. And it's well worth the money. That money helps fund the site, the radio show, all the things connected with the operation of, of gotme.com. So not to, not to mention keeping Vicky eating and breathing. Cause yeah. Well, yeah. Those are good things too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, honestly, yeah, I, I put more hours than I really care to think about. One of these days I'm going to start tracking how much time I put into Gotme. Oh, don't do I'll that. Probably, Just, yeah. Don't, then I'll scare don't. myself. Yeah. yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> um, Facebook uh, simply got me. So uh, Facebook.com, just type in got me. It'll take you right there. You can also do the uh, got me group. And I do believe you can get there from the Facebook got me uh, site page. Uh, Twitter at got me now. Um, if you can't call us, uh, Vicky usually mans the Twitter thingy. Do my uh, best. And please don't hate me if I miss you. I, I tweet as fast as I can. And uh, ask Oscar. Uh, you got to check the links on the gotme.com webpage. Just simply, uh, I'm going to see if I can do this without Vicky's help. Hold your mouse cursor over the radio page link, and you'll see the, the Ask Oscar link. Am I right? Yes. There you go. It only took 17 episodes. That a boy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So if you have a question and you'd like to uh, have uh, Oscar and Vicky and whoever might be involved in it, talk about it on the air and share it with others. Uh, just simply go to that link, fill out, fill out all the information. Please do it completely. Uh, we harp on this and there's a good reason why, um, you know, from hundreds or thousands of miles away, Oscar and Vicky just can't see into your little mead making space and see what you're doing or what you have done. Uh, so please be as complete, uh, and answer all of the questions. Uh, and don't be surprised if you don't, uh, you just simply won't get your, you know, your answers. So the call in number 818-921-4680, please put that on your, what do they call it? Speed dial. <laughs> Just Smart. put it in your contacts. So we don't Smart. need to be on your speed dial. Just be able to look it up later, guys. Nobody oh, uses I, speed dial anyway. I, do, yeah, God. <laughs> For somebody who plays with all this advanced equipment, there are some really big holes in your technological <laughs> Hell, I still have a rotary phone on my desk. Are you kidding? I still, still drink my Where in the hell out. did you get a rotary phone? <laughs> Just hung on my to it coffee. forever. Not that you could my use it or anything. Yeah. Later. yeah. So uh, the show links, uh, listen live on gotmead.com website. Just simply go to the radio uh, page uh, button up there uh, and uh, click on that and uh, listen to us. You can take us with you if you are mobile. Please download the app from gotmead.com radio site and uh, install it on your smart device, uh, Android and Apple devices. It all comes from TuneIn.com, and we're proud to uh, be able to uh, have our show uh, live, being broadcasted live through TuneIn.com as well, so that you can take us with you if you are mobile. There you go. Um, the replays of the show are available on GotMe.com as well. And one more time, if you are mobile and can't get to the GotMe.com website, you can always get it from SoundCloud. All those apps available from GotMe.com. That includes the iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Just simply do a search for GotMe Live at all of them, and it'll pop right on up. 
So with, uh, gosh, we got all through that. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and you're late. Chris, Chris is like, Chris is like, uh, at the bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, we are going to cut away if I can get these darn uh, commercials loaded up. I just, you know, I need more fingers is what I need. Spin that turntable, uh, JD. Oh, uh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we'll be back in a minute. Sit tight. Don't wander off. for the most amazing and creative alcoholic beverages made from honey. Bean Nectar is a worldwide sensation. Bean Nectar gives their fans a variety of options from their famous zombie killer, a hard cider made with honey and cherries to kill all the golfers, a lightly carbonated draft mead made with black tea and lemon juice. Bean Nectar makes mead, ciders, and beers that extend beyond the traditional. They let their imaginations guide them. Learn more at beannectar.com. That's beannectar with a K.com. If you're a mead maker, you need GotMead.com. It is the absolute best and most complete resource for mead making you will ever need. The forum consists of recipes, discussion on equipment, techniques, and methods, complete with its own batch calculator. GotMead.com offers everything you need to start making mead today. And for just $25 a year, as a patron member, you'll have access to proven award-winning recipes, fermentation management, equipment discussion, and a whole lot more. GotMead.com. Sign up today. Growing up in a culture where home winemaking was a way of life, Sergio Mutella naturally began making wine himself as an adult, finding his way into brewing beer and eventually his discovery of mead. Earning numerous mead-making awards, Melovino opens his doors, becoming the first meadery in the Garden State. Featuring 20 different craft meads with amazing variety, Melovino is the fastest-growing meadery in the country. Melovino offers tastings and tours every weekend, and all of their meads are available online, shipping to 22 states across the country. Go to melovino.com and book your tour and tasting today. Located at 2933 Vauxhall Road, near the rear of the Millburn Mall in Vauxhall, New Jersey. Melovino.com. Hey, this is J.D. Webb from Got Mead Live. You know, it's all about the mead here at Got Mead, and I have to tell you, I am in love with Fling from Moonlight Meadery. The way they balance the tartness from the rhubarb against the semi-sweet strawberry and orange blossom honey is just amazing. Do yourself a favor. Go buy some Moonlight Meadery Meads now. Visit them at their online store at moonlightmeadery.com forward slash store or ask for it where you shop. Demand it where you shop. Ask for Moonlight Meadery Meads. And we are back live here at Got Mead Live. Uh, you know, I, I really need to hire an engineer. <laughs> Wait, so, wait, I thought that's what we did and we got you. <laughs> I, uh, we're, Chris uh, says he's here. Chris yeah, we, we lost Chris there for a second. He had a quick thing he had to go do. Thought I told you to do that before we left, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> first, uh, first of all, uh, we are deeply grateful uh, for your commitment and service in the armed forces of the United States, Chris. And ladies, from the sands of Iraq to the tranquility of Seattle, our guest has such a devoted interest in wine and mead making that he enrolled at Northwest Wine Academy in Seattle, Washington, founded a professional organization for mead makers, and is soon to open his own meadery 
Please welcome Chris Weber. Hello. Hey, welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, good to be here. What um, what branch of the service? National Guard, right? Army, Army National Guard. Yep. Yeah, Chris. Chris was in perfect position. My daughter's um, my daughter's uh, uh, officer training school was at uh, Fort Lewis McCord, JBLM. Uh, when uh, she was a junior in college and they were completely out of touch with the whole world for 30 days. Chris, God love you, Chris, went and got a giant bag of goodies and took it and hand delivered it to her at the base because it was taking like days and days. <laughs> and, and, you know, like my daughter's freaking and we're getting we're getting handwritten letters. I mean, she had to actually write letters you know, which is huge for a kid her age. And, um, <laughs> she had to actually write letters. She's going, all the other guy, all the other girls are getting boxes. Don't you love me? And like, I shipped, <laughs> I shipped like four boxes. They hadn't gotten there yet. So Chris wouldn't be like hand walked over a giant bag of stuff. <laughs> you know, so, awesome. so she wouldn't feel alone. It was way cool. <laughs> I made sure there was enough for the, the whole squad. Cause, uh, I've been a, uh, Tech officer um, for that ROT program years ago, so I know how it is when you get package from home. Oh yeah, they were they were going bananas with that stuff. And a friend, another friend of mine, had sent. He works at Starbucks, and he sent her a giant box of those little instant coffee tube things that they have. You know, yeah, and so and they're not making; they're out in the field the whole time, so they're not making coffee. They're just ripping the tops off and pouring them in their mouths. (laughs) (laughs) She was telling me about that. I'm like, like put it in a syringe and shoot it up, huh? Well, apparently this is that. Yeah, say apparently this is not uncommon in in armed services, or so I'm told. But you know. Wow. So yeah, now my daughter's a lieutenant and stationed out there just a few miles from where Chris lives. Wow. Cool. cool. Oh, oh, Chris, by the way, she made first Louie. Oh, I hadn't heard. I'll have to. Yeah. She was on the promotion list for this month, as a matter of fact. So great first step. Yeah. Big shout out to my daughter, Lieutenant, soon to be first Lieutenant Samantha J. Rowe Tillinghast. Atta girl. So proud of you. Yay. So, uh, so how, how does a guy how does a guy wearing an army uniform spend a tour in Iraq come home and start a metery? How does that happen? Well, uh, actually, kind of a long story, but um, in, in in time anyway. We got all night, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are Oscarless this evening, so. <laughs> okay, well, I can take up his time. Yeah, well, yeah, Pete was Pete was at uh, Robert Mondavi Institute where I was supposed oh, yeah. to be. Yeah, yeah. but um, my interest actually um, uh, started back probably in my early twenties, and of course, like like you know most most guys, I think my interest in alcohol started in my teens. But um, yeah, my twenty, my my mom. Um, Got a job as a nurse uh, at one of the big hospitals in Vancouver, Washington, and um, we finally had some, enough income that she could afford to pursue one of her interests, which was um, being a connoisseur of wine. And so, as a result, I kind of got into doing that as well. And and um, so, for many many years, I was pretty much just a connoisseur, but I'd always been fascinated with the process of making wine and um when i moved to 
uh, the Seattle area somewhere in the mid 80s for San Michel, one of the top 10 largest wineries in the country, was right in our backyard. So I went and took a tour. And I thought, I'm going to go figure out how this wine stuff is made. And of course, the first thing you see is the gallon steel, white jacketed, you know, million dollar tanks. And I went, nope, I'm not making wine. <laughs> so, um, I, but I always kind of kept it in the back of my mind that it was something that I wanted to do. And, and up until um, I actually had, you know, gone to Iraq and came back. It just never occurred to me that people might be doing it as a as a home hobby, making wine or beer or cider, whatever people are making. Um, so, but um, guys can guys and gals can relate. After spending a year in a hostel zone where you're you know faced with your mortality on a daily basis. You kind of tend to reassess life and uh, you think about um, all the things that you said you're going to do someday. And so when I got back, I said, I'm going to start checking off some of that list because someday is here. <laughs> and, and making wine was one of those things. And I, uh, it just was timing. We went to the, to the state fair, um, which is pretty close to us here, um, out in Puyallup. I say that slowly so people who aren't from here can pronounce it correctly. Pull you up. That's what it always looked like to me. But yeah, I had to have my, my son-in-law, Eric, had to teach me how to say it right. So, <laughs> so anyway, we, we were out at the fair and um, I was surprised. We'd been out there many, many times before and I'd never seen the beer and wine booth, um, you know, the homebrew club. And so we came across the homebrew club and I got to talking to one of the folks and I found out I don't need that million dollar, $50,000 stainless steel tank i can do it in a trash can <laughs> see now J jd now doesn't believe that yeah <laughs> now you just deflated my hole <laughs> yeah and you better hope your wife's not listening jd or you're a deep you could have used a trash can the whole time really <laughs> oh god yeah she's not gonna I'm, i am gotta hide this show from her <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh and then it turns out that that about two miles from my house is a homebrew store. And so the wife and I took a little trip to just, just to investigate. And, you know, an hour and 150 bucks later, I went home with a starter kit and made my first apple wine. And the very next year I put it in the fair first place and I was hooked. Oh, so, and then probably a year after that, somebody asked me about making mead, which, I wasn't entirely unfamiliar with, you know, the name was not unfamiliar to me or anything like that, but I'd never thought about it. And of course, like, I think like most people, I went out and did a little internet search and found Joe's ancient orange, uh, <laughs> which is where most people start Oh yeah, and made a gallon and, um, and it was really good. And, uh, so Probably uh, by 2008, because I went to Iraq in 2005. So by 2008, I was making so much wine and and mead, uh, partly, you know, because I was enjoying the heck out of, of doing it. But I had so many friends and family that were asking for it that it was getting pretty expensive. And um, so my wife, you know, suggested that maybe we could make a little bit of money at it. 
and, uh, you know, help pay for this hobby. And so that was about the time that we started looking into doing that. And we've been on a process ever since then to um, build the winery and, and get licensed and uh, uh, looking at um, retiring from the guard and making wine and mead full time. I need, cool. I need my wife to call your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that wasn't uh, an instant. It took her a little while to kind of come along. And, and uh, I think it was one of those, oh, God, if you're going to do it, you might as well make some money at it. And so, Yeah, please, that's kind of how my husband is, too. I, I got to have my wife call your wife. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that, that um, it was there, was there a... Uh, a mead that you had tasted that kind of led you into the direction of mead or, or, I mean, have you, what, what was your first reaction uh, when you first tasted mead? Well, you know, before I made a batch of diet, we're uh, kind of losing them here a little bit, guys. Uh, yeah, Chris, are you walking back and forth in front of your computer or anything? No, I'm sitting right here. You got a headset on, or are you just talking to the computer? Just talking to myself on the screen. Oh, uh, okay. That might be why you're you're, you're kind of fading in and out. Okay. Uh, we lost you uh, right after you started that first sentence. Oh, okay. Um, no, I was saying that I hadn't uh, ever tried a mead before I started making it, before I made that first batch of Joe's Ancient Orange. And so that was my first taste and my first impression of mead and of course it it wasn't bad so I, I guess i was kind of impressed with it but when we decided to um commercial i thought i better find me some commercial mead and see what it tastes like so i can see you know what i have to shoot for and uh, uh this will be a little shout out i guess to uh my good friend Ken Schultz over in Montana, but the very first commercial mead I ever tried was mead from Hidden Legend, and uh, kind of like, wow, um, I got a ways to go. <laughs> <laughs> I adore his huckleberry. He makes um, he makes an absolutely phenomenal huckleberry mead, and I think it's one of two huckleberry meads I've had in the country. So, yeah. so yeah, they, they do a great job out there. So, um, but. Um, uh, anyway, so I just started kind of experimenting and, and finding honey sources and fruit sources and having a good time. And uh, I think we've come up with several um, pretty good uh, meads that um, uh, we competed one here a couple of months ago, took second place down at the Orpheus Cup. And nice. so, so we were pretty happy about that. Nice. Very cool. So you're piling up the metals to have a place to hang them. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, because we are uh, in in the garage, um, it's uh, 231 square feet, single car, detached garage. Um, by the time I, I get in some shelves for the lab and... Uh, a few other odds and ends there's just not much room on the walls to uh 
to hang things and stuff like that. So yeah, we'll pile them up. And once we get the, the main tasting room a couple of years down the road and all that, we'll probably put up some kind of a display and, and, uh, you know, you got to show off your stuff. So, um, we'll ha- hopefully have a nice collection in a year or two that we can put out there for people to check out. Cool. So, uh, JD, you had a whole pile of questions there. <laughs> okay, yeah, I do. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm always full of questions. Yeah, um, go for it, dude. <laughs> any? Uh, do you have any favorite ingredients that you use in your uh, in your meads, Chris? Sure, honey. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> Smart ass. <laughs> okay, any specific honeys that you particularly like in your meads? Um, actually, um, I used to get a cranberry honey here locally. Mm. All, all the honey we use is from Washington State. So that's that's part of our marketing strategy. All of our, our honey, our fruit, berries, um, all that comes from Washington State. So... Um, a lot of folks are not aware that we have some pretty big cranberry bogs along the Pacific Ocean, down around Long Beach and Ocean Shores and the like. And um, so um, my honey uh, supplier had uh, some, you know, hives down in Long Beach for a while, and they were getting some cranberry honey, which which was pretty good. Um I, I thought it was, especially after fermenting, you really had to kind of search for the cranberry flavor. But when you, you know, would taste it right out of the, the bucket, you know, there was definitely a cranberry flavor there. And I think that was probably one of my favorites uh, for a while. I, we also get a, uh, a pretty good buckwheat uh, honey over in the Palouse region of the state, which is over in Idaho. Uh, there's a lot of buckwheat fields over there and mix with some dips and make a 16% Rodamel that uh, takes about a year before you can. We're getting a lot of cutouts here, Chris. I don't know what exactly is going. JD, are you hearing it? Yeah, I am. Uh, tell you what we're going to do. We're going to cut away to commercial and uh, try to get Chris on a, uh, on the phone uh, and try that. Uh, so, uh, let me, uh, and we're losing all the good stuff, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Like on, yeah. And then I go, and then I go to, and then, and that's amazing. And it's like, whoa, whoa, wait, what? Oh, that's <laughs> you got to cut out the free advertising. Yeah, and, uh, sit, uh, sit tight, Chris. Uh, we're going to give you a call here in, uh, on your cell phone in just a minute. So, uh, stick with us. We'll be right back. This is J.D. Webb for Got Mead Live. You know, winemaking was a way of life for Sergio Mattello while growing up. As an adult, his winemaking led to brewing beer and ultimately his discovery and passion for mead. Today at Melovino, his mead-making skills has earned him countless awards. His signature meads include Pepino, a light and refreshing cucumber, orange, and lemon session mead, and Sinfonia, called the Scotch of Meads, is made with three honey varietals and a blend of three different oaks. Visit them in Vauxhall, New Jersey at 2933 Vauxhall Road, located in the rear of the Millburn Mall. 
And be sure and visit them online at melovino.com. Shipping to 22 states. Try some Melovino mead yourself and book a tour and tasting. Melovino, a truly unique and exquisite craft mead experience. Besides being the county seat of Cass County, it's also the home of Prairie Rose Meadery, the only meadery in North Dakota. Owned and operated by Susan and Bob Rude, they produce five amazing meads with a sixth on the way, all available in their tasting room. From bees to bottles, the Prairie Rose Tasting Room is located at 3101 39th Street South, Suite E in Fargo, North Dakota, and features their award-winning traditional and blackberry meads. Other amazing flavors available include ginger, mint, cherry, and an upcoming star anise mead. Tasting room hours are Thursday through Friday, 5 to 10 p.m., Saturday from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Sunday from noon to 6 p.m. Make Prairie Rose Meadery a must-do when you're in Fargo, North Dakota. Visit them online at prairierosemeadery.com or stop by at 3101 39th Street South, Suite E in Fargo, North Dakota. Prairie Rose Meadery, a delightful mead experience. Ram's Mead crafts some of the most coveted meads available in the United States today. The Tasting Room at 327 West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale, Michigan features Shram's Mead in bottles and special release meads on tap. Shram'sMead.com. If you think you don't like mead, you haven't had a Shram's. Uncompromisingly delicious meads since 2013. homebrewtalk.com your absolute everything resource for brewing beer at home their forum covers recipes brewing equipment and help from member brewers if you picked up your equipment today you can start brewing tonight with everything you need to know at homebrewtalk.com sign up today for as little as four dollars a month and become a well we're back and i think we have uh i think we got everything straightened out i mean it's the internet and i saw it on a bumper sticker one day it said well it said stuff happens and you can guess <laughs> what it really said so. <laughs> the the interwebs have this thing about them you know don't uh, doesn't the military have an acronym for that too chris Snafu, I believe it is, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Situation normal, all after. Yeah. We're, uh, we're back with Chris. Uh, we've got Chris on, uh, on, on cell phone now, so I'm hoping that the audio is going to be just a little bit better. Chris has got a storm up there in uh, Washington, so he's got to put up with that. Uh, and it may or may not affect the uh, even the cell phone uh, deal here, but at least we got him back, so... Chris, um, AJ, uh, AJ was, uh, was taking notes. Where did we leave off? Uh, talking about buckwheat honey and erotamel. Oh yeah. So, um, yeah, I think you missed the part where, uh, we take the buckwheat honey and mix it with some, uh, rose hips. And, uh, of course <laughs> that, that's what makes erotamel. And uh, it, it usually comes out about 16%, and it takes uh, at least a year of aging before, um, you know, you can, can tolerate it on the palate. But uh, after that, you know, up, up to then, it's kind of like rocket fuel. But after that, it, uh, it mellows out a little bit. And it's still a very strong flavor. It, um, um, I think we come up with a pretty good balance between the, the strong barnyard flavor of the buckwheat and, and a very strong flavor of the rose hip. And, um, of course then the 16%, it doesn't take very much. And, uh, yeah, it, 
yeah, it, it, it kind of kicks butt. I'm, I'm curious why you went with such a, such a big, heavy honey with the, you know, with the rose hips, just, just wondering what the thought process was there. Usually when I do a rotomel, I go with some, uh, real basic, like a clover honey or something really mellow and, you know, kind of, kind of stand in, stay in the background kind of honey, you know? <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of crazy that way. I, I had gotten some, uh, buckwheat honey from the local homebrew back, back when I was still making fairly small batches and, uh, just because he had this buckwheat honey, which reminded me, I, I, I grew up in Eastern Washington, down in Southeast Washington, uh, amongst all the wheat farms and the buckwheat farms and, uh, and the like, my mom used to make buckwheat pancakes and, and stuff like that. So I was familiar with the flavor. And so when I saw the local homebrew store had the buckwheat honey, I, I bought a gallon because it was kind of expensive. And um, I had the, the rose hip already. For some reason, I had gotten some rose hips and, and boiled them down and got the juice out of them and, and all that. And the two just, in my mind, seemed to kind of go together. So I gave it a shot. And uh, it turned out that, that if you have enough patience to wait for it to, to mellow out a little bit, for the flavors to really blend together and kind of balance, it, it comes out. Now, it's, it's popular amongst a certain sector of my, my fan base. Um, so kind of like a overhopped IPA or something like that. So, <laughs> Not everybody likes it, but those who do bug me all the time to make more. So, well, that's cool. So you've got a you've got a already a core of raving fans kind of thing going. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. That's one of the reasons why we decided to, you know, pursue uh, going commercial was uh, the fact that I had so many people that were just constantly clamoring for one thing or another, and I. You know, when you're making it in 20-gallon or 40-gallon batches, it can get pretty expensive, especially when, you know, nobody's coughing up dough. Yeah, there is definitely (laughs) that situation. Yeah, I went through quite a lot of it myself before I got smart that way. So, um what I mean, what's the – you guys going to try to get open? You're waiting on your federal permit right now, right? Yeah, that's the only thing. Um we're at when we put in our online application. So we've already got our city license, already got our state license. I mean, those were, of course, the city wouldn't give us our license until the state gave us a license. And of course, the state has only given us a intent to issue a certificate because they won't give us our state license until the Fed gives us, you know, our federal. Right. Um, but you know, so that's that's the way the game's played. Um, but it only took us about 30 days once we started the process to go, get the state and the city to, to bless us off, at least on the licensing side. And, uh, you know, it was awesome. And then we put in the online application, and at the time it said it was 112 days. Well, we're at about 180. I've so, heard this is on the federal end, right? Yeah. Because I've heard this from several other meteries. Yeah. I called them yesterday. So this, this is kind of funny. I, um, 
called him yesterday to see if there's anything I could do to facilitate, uh, you know, expediting the process. Right. And I, so I get in, I, I make the call and I get into the office where I need to go. And it's, uh, you know, and of course you get the recorded thing and it says, there are zero people ahead of you and your estimated wait time is three minutes. And I'm thinking, how can there be zero ahead of me? And I have to wait three minutes. <laughs> Well, maybe Probably because the to, one person's on the line. I had to go to the bathroom, you know. <laughs> Something. So I waited three minutes, and it comes back on, and it says there are zero people ahead of you, and the estimated wait time is six minutes. And I'm like, wait a minute. If there's nobody ahead of me, how did the time get longer? And when it got up to eight and a half minutes, I said, all right, I'm leaving a message. And so that was as far as I got yesterday, so... So did you start your message? Your message was something like, this is Captain Chris Weber from. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Um, I just wonder if that gets you anywhere. <laughs> nah, not usually. Not. Yeah. <laughs> they get there. They don't take real kindly to people trying to, um, you know, do that kind of thing. Well, we've, we've heard it. Um, we've heard it described from from other people, Chris. That I mean, this whole the whole licensing process can be quite a uh, quite a lengthy process, and at times you're dealing with people who just really have no clue uh, wh- what you're doing. I mean, uh, the, the the classification alone, you know, between you know, is it a wine? Is it mead? Well, it can't be a wine if it's made with honey and. And we've heard, you know, from several different people, is this, did you have that same experience with the people that you're dealing with? Well, well, certainly, you know, the laws are, are written, you know, as, as they are, which classifies need as, as a line. So it's, it's, you know, you're, you're licensed as a bonded winery, you know, there's no such thing as a bonded meadery or, you know, anything like that. Um, so you fall under the wine category and then depending upon what you do with it, you know, if you're just making straight honey and water, okay, you can call it a mead and, um, that's okay. Um, but if you want to add some fruit or some spice or something else to it, now you're falling into another category. And if you're getting over 14% alcohol, you're getting into another category, uh, but they all fall under wine. So, um, you, you got to kind of, of course, it's like with anything you do in business or anything, you got to be kind of familiar with the laws that regulate whatever industry you're in. <clears throat> so, but it was obvious that, uh, when I first started looking at, at getting into doing mead and everything, um, that there were issues in that regard and with folks that, were already in the, the business that had been out there for 15, 20 years. And, and of course they had adjusted and adopted to suit the laws and all that kind of stuff, which is, which is fine. You know, they were doing business and making need and making a little bit of money. And, um, but when I started doing it, it was clear that there was really starting to be a surge in uh, the industry. And what I was hearing was that a lot of people were upset about the fact that they couldn't call their mead mead. Um, you know, at the at best they could call it honey wine 
And, um, you know, most of the industry was saying, we don't want to call it honey wine because it's not, you know, that's a misnomer. And so anyway, so a lot of that is what led to the creation of the American Mead Making Association was to address a lot of those issues with the regulators and just basically for mead makers to be able to put on their bottle like uh you know i'm sitting here drinking a glass of our semi-sweet rhubarb mead and i'd like to be able to put on the label rhubarb mead you know and not rhubarb honey wine or rhubarb other than standard wine or whatever you know (laughs) i could just see the label for rhubarb other than standard wine I'd be tempted to do that. <laughs> yeah, I know, just to piss them off, right? Another thing that caught my attention when you were talking about your rotamel, um, you said that thing finishes out about 16%. Are you kind of outside the parameters there? Well, you know, what it's, that's what I've, the way I've made it, this, you know, before we go commercial, that's on the hobby side. It's kinda, so I've been debating on whether I want to stick with that. Um and and leave it at 16%, which puts you in a different tax bracket because you're above 14%. And it, then you have to start calling it other, literally you have to put on the label other than standard wine because it's above 14%. Right. So, you know, there's those things. So I'm debating about just for the sake of avoiding that particular regulatory issue, you know, keeping it below 14%. And, you know, so I'm sure a lot of our means, and in fact, most of our means come in down in the 10, 11% range. Um, because I always love it when I share with somebody a 10 or 11% mead and then they come back the next day and they say, well, I drank a glass of that. And what the heck? You told me it was only 11% mead in one glass. I was on my list. <laughs> and I was like, that's mead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So, um, basically my observation has been, a, a, a 10, 11% mead has about the same effective alcohol content is a 14% wine, you know? So, yeah. So just to kind of keep it in that range where it's enjoyable without, you know, knocking everybody out, we tend to kind of be on the little bit low end of the, the wine scale there. Um, 10, 11, 12%, maybe max. Do you think that perhaps dropping the percentage on the Rotomel will make the flavors integrate a little more quickly? Well, you know, I've, I haven't uh, tried it yet. Uh, I, we did make a, a small batch here this last summer just because, you know, I, I had an opportunity to get some rose hip and I still had some buckwheat honey. And I haven't tested it right now to see where it's at. But it was only like a two-gallon batch just because I've had so many people that have been bugging me for it. And so I thought I'll make a couple of gallons and put it in some 375 mil bottles and kind of share it around. And, uh, and just, just, you know, you got to keep feeding that 
feeding that taste, you know. Sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like the I feel like the schoolyard drug dealer, you know. You go out there and this sample's <laughs> free, but after you're hooked, you gotta buy it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, that's a tried and true and well thought of method by many, many meteries. So I think I think you'll get away with it. Um, what, what are you What are you planning on coming out of the gate with? Um, well, we were looking at a mold mead, which you know we were hoping to have our license by now. Uh, that we would come out just before Thanksgiving. We were expecting to be able to come out, you know, this week or within this last week or so with a mold mead, um, wildflower honey. Um, since I couldn't get the cranberry honey this year, um, so the the honey supplier decided that cranberry just cost too much. So, and I was like, I don't care. I would pay for it. <laughs> That's what I wanted. And uh, so we went to the wildflower honey, and then I was able to make contact with one of the cranberry bogs down in Long Beach. And uh, the owner was generous enough to give me 500 pounds of cranberries because after harvest, and they are one of the ocean spray, you know, providers and all that. They most of their most of their cranberries go to ocean spray. Um, and then they sell some locally and the like. But when they got done, they had three tons of cranberries that are just sitting in the freezer. And he oh really wanted me, to, he wanted me to take the whole three tons. And oh, I was like, I oh, wow. don't have any place to put that. Um, so I was able to take some buckets and we filled up the back of my truck with 500 pounds of cranberries. <laughs> um, oh and, my gosh. Yeah. So that, along with some mulling spice, and that was going to be our first thing out of the gate. But, you know, I can't do anything until I get a federal license. So I'm afraid we're going to, it's either going to be a late release on that after the holidays. Hopefully it'll still go because um, we're all set up for that. Um, the other thing is that has been very popular the last year or so uh, is a mead we call Plum Crazy. It's made again with wildflower honey and and damson plums. Um, most of our fruit comes from Eastern Washington. Like I say, that's kind of where I grew up. So I go back there all the time to go hunting, and we've uh, I've recently reacquainted with uh, with an old school mate back there whose family owns an orchard and so i'm we've got a business relationship now where i can get um they primarily carry apples and pears but they do some other stuff as well and um he's willing to work with me on a variety of other things that that i might want to do he's a big he's a big cider guy he's really big into the cider so um in order to get a better price, I had to promise to make cider too. So, <laughs> well, and those are oh, the hardship. Are, yeah, and they're good. They, you know, it's a good place to be, a good friends to have because cider is yeah. riding yeah. cider is riding the waves so high and so fast right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last uh, last week I was over there for elk hunting season, and we had zero luck uh, elk hunting. But I came home with forty gallons of fresh pressed apple juice to make some cider with, and nice. And so that was good. Um, but the plum crazy is you know it's damson plum, and it's a semi sweet, and 
Um, so that one I'm getting a lot of requests for. We also um, did an elderberry. I made some elderberry wine with the intent of fortifying it and uh, making a port out of it because we'd made an elderberry port a few years back. And after about four years of aging it in smoke, it just was pretty phenomenal. And mm. so I made a batch of elderberry wine, which I never did get around to fortifying and, of course, not putting it in the oak or anything. So it was just sitting in the carboys, and one day I decided to blend it with some straight, you know, traditional mead, and it would just work. I mean, it was just awesome. And so um, I think we're going to do that again. Um, so those would probably be three of our initial meads right out the door because we've got um, – We've got product enough uh, right now to make some pretty good batches of, of those whenever the Fed decides to get around to, you know, giving us our go-ahead. We're talking to Chris Weber tonight, National Guardsman turned mead maker up in Lakewood, Washington tonight. Hey, if you want to talk to Chris, 818-921-4680. I know he's dying to answer all your questions, Chris, <laughs> David. <laughs> <laughs> my 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 two regulars out there, <laughs> Hamish. Uh, yeah, no, uh, Hamish hasn't been texting me. Usually, he's <laughs> skyping like mad while we're on there. So. I know he's listening because I can see him online. But uh, maybe he actually has to do some work this week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was there was there any particular recipe, Chris, that uh, you know that you put together just simply didn't work? at all um yeah tell us because we all have our epic failures so we're gonna pull yours out um i i have to say that i don't think i have ever made a bad meat oh how lucky oh come on um I did well before I blended the traditional mead with the elderberry. I made the traditional because my intent was to blend it with a red um, grape wine that I had made, and so I just did a test mix, which was you know like a 750 ml bottle, and blended that together, and that was definitely not going to happen. So. Um, I decided to try it with the elderberry and it worked. So that's probably the closest I've come to any kind of a mead that, that just didn't work out. Now on the wine side, <laughs> uh, I did make a banana one time. <laughs> so, um, kind of reminiscent of Drano. So it was pretty bad and it never did get better. And people say, give it time, give it time. And after a couple of years, it looked like it was eaten through the glass. So I thought, yeah, I better dump this out. <laughs> so, and I think I, I did make one other, gosh, was it a pear or something? I made something, a pear, an apple, and I used a yeast that really got seriously high uh, SO2 and I just couldn't fix it and I couldn't stand it. So, that's probably it. I've probably only dumped out two batches of wine or mead ever. I've only had two that went bad because I did them poorly, but I've had three or four that went bad because I got busy and kept forgetting to do something with them. You know, yeah, they start, they would have been, too. yeah, they would have been good had I minded them, you know, but I didn't. Died of neglect. Pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Like not not yeah. watering your flowers, you know, it's basically what happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I I did have a I did have a, a, a red wine once that I left too much headspace and it got some acetobacter in the top and it did change the flavor where nobody else really cares for it, but I don't mind, but that's probably because uh, I know how much work and effort I went into it and I can tolerate it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised. I had a buddy of mine um, stop by on his way uh, from DC to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. He was going down for the last weekend of the Renaissance festival there um, last week. And um he always stops by and I usually give him a bottle of mead. So we trooped down to the, to the cellar to go through the stash and see what I had. And I had like four bottles of uh, semi-sweet cherry mel that I made in 2009 and, or was it seven? Something like that. It was in the mid, mid aughts. And uh, <laughs> yeah. And so we brought it upstairs and tentatively opened it, poured out a little bit to see if it was going to be horrible. And it was amazing. I was kind of surprised. Just a teeny little bit oxidized because I left a little too much headspace. And these are the 500 mil uh, Grolsch bottles. You know, so you get a little air seepage in those when the seals dry out sometimes. And uh, but all in all, it was a cherry mel and a little bit of oxidation on a cherry mel can be a good thing. I mean, it tasted kind of had just this little touch of sherry thing going on. Sherry, cherry. Yeah. Sherry, cherry. Yeah. Which I like, you know, I mean, it would probably get dinged in a competition, but the competition can go suck eggs. I liked it, you know. I don't, I liked it, you know. So I mean, what wins, what wins, and what you like are not always the same thing. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a huge disconnect between what the judges like and what you like and what the customers like. You know, it's 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 nice to to um, win a competition and get a ribbon or get a medal or or get a Mazer cup, uh, but um, you know. At the end of the day, if you're a commercial meadery, you got to look at the bottom line, and and so yeah, you know, you got to kind of take those things separately. I think, and mm-hmm. um, you do. So, I mean, yeah. winning competitions are great, and it definitely looks good. You know, when you can hang a medal around your bottle when you're selling it, but at the same time, you got to look at, and this is something that I tell a lot of the new meteries and they don't always want to hear it is you got to sell what your customers want it doesn't matter what you want and what you like it's what they want and what they'll like because they're the ones who are going to keep your head above water for you yeah yeah um so i'm just trying to think of you know i've had some similar conversations with some guys uh about doing that you know the competition versus the, the bottom line and everything and uh, what you were just saying about sometimes you got to make stuff that maybe you don't like. Now, I know some guys who will only make the stuff that they like. And oh yeah, and some of them do really well with it. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, yeah. the thing is, is you got to you got to find that balance and figure out right. what that looks like. Right. And if you don't do that, you'll have a lot of fun till you run out of money. Yeah. You know, I but mean, that's, know, I, and that sucks because I've seen some great meteries go tits up because they didn't find that balance quickly enough. You know, right, right. And we, we, we certainly want to be successful and we want to be out there and, and, you know, providing what the customers want. Uh, I know that I'm not sure right now, but I know a year or so ago, the, the cat smells were really popular. There was, you know, you couldn't walk, you know, you couldn't go to a competition or an event or something without getting hit with a, with a habanero pepper or something, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and, 
to be honest, I'm not a fan. I, I, I've never cared for the spicy stuff anyway, whether it was in cuisine or whether it was in mead. And, but again, I, I tried whatever was offered and, and it was, it was interesting. And, uh, you know, for what they were doing, if I was looking at it for just what they were trying to do, they were doing a pretty good job. It just wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah. But I'm thinking if that's popular and that's what people want, guess what? We'll make a caption out. There you go. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing. I mean, I know that that started with somebody going, I really like this stuff, so I'm going to make it, but it caught on. And now it's a thing. So you can, you know, I mean, you can ride the wave or not. I mean, it really just depends on what you want to do. You know, you don't, you don't have to go that route. I mean, you've got some unique capabilities where you're at. For one, you're right in the middle of meadow foam land. You know, yeah. not, mm-hmm. not a lot of meteries are taking advantage of that. I know um, Moonlight was going, was talking a week or two ago on the MMA board about uh, getting his metal foam shipment. Now, you know, that had a setting back all the way across yeah. the country like that. Yeah. Oh, but, it's in my, yeah, it's in my backyard and I'm still paying, you know, it, it, I usually pay just over two bucks a pound here for, for my honey. And I'm, metal I'm moving. I'm moving. I'm packing uh, my stuff. I'm moving. <laughs> But I'm uh, I'm looking at about three bucks a pound for metal foam. So wow, uh, yeah. And so I, it, I, I I complain at five dollars a pound for simple orange blossom, which grows like <laughs> freaking weeds down here. I'm in at Southern least you California. Can get orange blossom. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in Canada. Yeah, Canada, they don't have a lot of orange trees. I can get orange blossom, but most of the stuff I get is, is Florida orange blossom, not the Georgia, or not the California. <laughs> not the California kind. I get Tupelo from Georgia, but... Um, yeah, metaphone is on my honey bucket list. Got a quick oh, shout okay. out real quick here. Brian Schluter is on the Got Me page, uh, or uh, the Got Me group posting pizza porn. Just saying. You know. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're going we're, we're gonna to throw a massive shout out uh, here in just a little while to Brian uh, about that. Yeah, I know, he's, he's doing, I mean, he's right now, he's on, he's on our group, and he's he's drinking his cider. I didn't even know they made a cider. And, uh, and uh, he's making, apparently they make pizzas there. Chris, you said something Speaking of food, you said something in your write-up about a sandwich shop. Tell me about that. Oh, well, um, of course, we don't intend on spending the rest of our lives in this tiny little garage. Um, we'd certainly like to outgrow it within the next year or so. I mean, you, you look at some of the, the the guys that really get serious about building their meteries and uh, you know, like Sergio, he's only been out for what a year and a half now. Year and a half. And, yeah. Uh, and he's, you know, put in a full bottling line and thousand, you know, gallon tanks. And all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, and did you, back. did you drool all over yourself when he posted the pictures, that bottling line? Oh my God. <laughs> well, you know, uh, to me, I'm thinking that's going to be a bit farther down the road than a year, year and a half. But dude, know, dude, you're going to need a bigger building. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So our plan is to move out of the garage, probably about the time I retire from the guard or shortly thereafter. So no, we're in a regular brick and mortar place in downtown Lakewood. Um, uh, the heart of Lakewood is the, the Lakewood Town Center Mall, um, which 
which by the way is one of the oldest malls in the country and um that is really i was there yeah yeah i did not know that was the oldest mall one of the oldest malls in the country cool yeah so it uh we want to get a space uh, you know a shop that's out there that's going to be big enough obviously that we can grow the the volume that we're doing put in some stainless steel tanks and all that and Mm -hmm. and uh, do that kind of thing in the back let people come in and take the tours and stuff but out front have a regular tasting room and a gift shop that you would normally expect right but we'd also like to have in there some kind of a little snack bar sandwich bar whatever that you know folks can come during the day business and the like and come in and have a sandwich do a little wine mead tasting you know take off with a couple of bottles and and you know do that kind of thing so so that's kind of the plan for the next three to five years Nice. Once you get your, once you get your federal, I know you said you're going to be a nanometer. Um, once you get your federal, what's the, what's the target volume you want to hit in your first 12 months? Um, well, we're probably going to be around a thousand gallons or so. I don't think we can push any more than that out of this little space. We're doing, um, 40 gallon batches as big as we can. Well, you know, our fermenters are only about 40 gallons. We've got four of them right now. And if I had, you know, if I had all of them going at once, um, you know, 100, 160 gallons. And I don't think I could, I don't think I could keep that up and and work full time, you know, and do that every single month, but I might be able to like a month or so, um, you know, run a batch like that. And so I'm thinking in the first year, we're looking at probably around a thousand gallons or something like that. And, um, and that's just to get our, our base retail base established. We want to get a, a, you know, a, a wine club set up for the folks that, you know, you know, will obviously you want folks to join your, your wine club. So they're paying in advance a little bit for a promise that out of each batch, they're going to get a few bottles um i've already in fact two days ago i was over talking no two days ago no, it was yesterday i was over talking to trader joe's and uh, yeah yeah the only need i was surprised because we have like eight or ten need commercial need makers here in the state of washington and trader joe's only carries chaucers <laughs> so um i was like we need to fix that so they uh, gave me the paperwork to start the process to get into Trader Joe's. And, cool. Uh, cool. Yeah. So we'll be doing that. I've also got a promise to get into the classic stores at Fort Lewis, McCord, Bremerton, Navy Base. So all the military bases are all kind of connected together in terms of the, the classic store uh, for you civilian types. That's the liquor store. And... Um, uh, so they've already given me a verbal promise that as soon as we're ready, they will buy, you know, they'll take whatever we got. They support local business and they want it. Nice. Uh, so I know we've got a bunch of other places like that. Um, I, I have a friend, uh, that just retired from the guard. He started a brewery three years ago, got licensed and everything. And, um, he's had a brewery down in Olympia. Olympia is our state capital, uh, just 20 minutes down the road from us. Um, and so he just opened a tap room with some friends of his and they saved two taps on the end of a 20 tap line for us 
and said, as soon as you have some mead, we're going to plug it in. So, cool. so yeah, they had that done before I even knew they were doing it. So, uh, so we've got, so, so basically that thousand gallons is just to get us out there, get, get the mead flowing, you know, and stuff and to get the name out there and get established and, and, uh, build, build basically our foundation, get our base going. Chris, uh, we're kind of, we're kind of at the uh, end of our usual segment here, but if you've got time to stick around, uh, we've got a couple of more questions we'd like to get out of the way. And I got to tell you, I've ha- I had the best bowl of clam chowder in Bremerton, Washington, many years ago. It was at the uh, Holiday Inn at the top of the hill up there in, in Bremerton, Washington. I just had to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, you are right on the Pacific Ocean out here. And yeah. So. What uh, you're in your bio, you uh, you told us that you attended uh, or took a course at Northwest Wine Academy there in Seattle, Washington. How, how has that uh, helped you in your mead making? How, what, what kind of an impact has that had? Well, it was it was really eye opening uh, for one. I mean, to be able to get into the chemistry and the and for me, not everybody you know, wants to follow the same path, but, uh, just kind of back up on my story a little bit. Um, when I was a kid, the first thing I ever remember wanting to be was a chemist. And I was talking to my mom, you know, not too long ago and relating this story to her. And, and I said, you know, when I was a kid, you gave me a chemistry set when I was like 10 or something like that. And she said, no, it was when you were eight. She never forgot it because she said it was one of the presents she always regretted giving me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so, yeah. so, 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 what, so what happened in the house? What did you burn up? <laughs> well, I was afraid I'd burn the house down, but it, the worst it ever got was, was stinky chemicals and all that kind of good stuff. And, uh, yeah, awesome. permanganate really leaves a nasty smell in the house. So, uh, That's the one that turns everything purple, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> So, but by the time I got into high school, things had changed and I, you know, my course of, of pursuits had changed and everything. So, um, I always kind of had that, that chemistry thing in the back of my mind, but for years and years, I was off pursuing other things and things like that. So when I started making, um, wine and I, one of the, one of the classes that I, I had to take was, was wine chemistry. And so I get in there and it had been so long since I had done chemistry. I was really kind of rusty, but it occurred to me, I'm doing what I wanted to do when I was a kid. <laughs> so I was like, well, I just took the long way. And, uh, so I, I did pick up a lot about, you know, wine science, which uh, quite a bit of it translates over to me and the like. And, uh, of course there were classes in, in business, uh, uh, and the like. I also really expanded my, my taste in, in wine up until I started taking that class. I was pretty much a dry white wine kind of guy or a really good Cabernet. That was it. And I was pretty snobby about it. Um, I, I, I didn't like California wines because being in Washington, of course, uh, we have the second largest wine industry in the country. 
Um, you know, we have more 90 plus point lines coming out of the Walla Walla ABA than all of the state of California. Um, you know, I keep, so, I keep waiting for somebody to name their winery Walla Walla Winery just because that would be so much fun to say. <laughs> I think most people have managed to avoid that, but um, yeah, drink I, a couple of bottles of wine and try to say that fast. <laughs> So, but through the course, and this, this was really the terrible part of, of taking that program was that your homework was drinking wine. So I had to try all these different wines from California and from New York and from, you know, um, Germany, Italy, France, all these other places. Um, so I'd never had a South American wine before. And so I had my very first, uh, um, Bolivian Molbeck that I was like, that's interesting. But what it did was it broke down that kind of that barrier that I had where I will only drink certain, you know, whites and, and really bold reds. And now I have, you know, a little wine cellar that, you know, whatever I can get my hands on. And, uh, you know, I paid a visit when I was on my way over to Eastern Washington for elk hunting, I stopped over at Ruby Magdalena winery, uh, vineyards there. And uh, just out of Yakima, it's a little, little town called Villa. And, uh, I was, we were talking about, um, this backyard red that I make from this grape that I have no idea what the grape is. except it's red. <laughs> And it, it grows, it grows in, in a friend's backyard. So I make a wine out of it, but it reminds me of a Beaujolais, you know, the aroma kind of the taste a little bit. Well, it just so happened that they had a real Beaujolais that they were making right there in the fermenter. So he climbed up on the ladder and drew some right out of the fermenter. And, and, um, you know, I was, it was like, it was just awesome because now I, I don't have any of those barriers that, that I used to have where I wouldn't touch that stuff. I'll, heck, I'll even drink them all back. <laughs> are you finding that, that having an expanded palette you're on your own um being useful in uh trying to tell other people what your wines and meads taste like just so that you've got a frame of reference for people who aren't used to mead um yes and no um i find it very useful for me because I can kind of pick apart uh, whatever it is I'm drinking and I can, even though it might be something that I don't personally like, I can still look at it and say for what it is, it's a good representation of that wine. And it's not a bad wine. There's no faults, you know, there's, there's no problems with it or anything like that. It's just not what I like, but I can still say this is a good wine. Mm-hmm. But when I talk to folks that you know, going back, trying to remain, you know, keep some humility and some humbleness, going back to when I didn't know those things and trying to relate to folks that that come in who all they know is, is it good or is it not good? It's hard to kind of break that down and explain to them, you know, and say, hey, can you taste that, uh, you know, you got a little tannin in there from the oak and a little bit of vanilla, that all came from the oak, you know, kind of thing. And they just kind of look at you like, what are you talking about, you know? It, it tastes good. I like it. Uh, okay. We take cash. It's fine. <laughs> so. And all sorts of credit. It's all good. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, it can, it can be you know, the other, the other problem that I tend to run into is, you know, when you run into some folks who 
who have a little bit of knowledge and, you know, they're in that, that range where you have enough knowledge to be dangerous and then they want to argue with you about some stuff. And it's hard sometimes when you know that they're really not, I mean, they're close, but you want to try and, and get them on the right track and they just don't want to hear it. And so I'm just like, okay, you go with that. Will that be cast in charge? Yeah. So, uh, everybody's got their, I mean, everybody's got their reasons. I know people who will drink it. I mean, I saw this when I, uh, I manned a table for a meadery at the, um, they've got a beer festival here. It's like kind of a offshoot of the great American <coughs> beer festival and they run it downtown and it's like surging crowds of drunken people with cups, you know, and, and yeah. I'm, man- I'm manning the table for this, really good meadery and um they spell you know you, you know i won't say the name but it's spelled be nectar and, uh, <laughs> uh, and and you know so i've got this lineup of really excellent meads here right you know john and i are man in this table and there's this line of excellent meads and there's like 50 zillion people in front of the table going give me some of that i don't even know what it is but i want it and i'm going no dude this is mead okay i don't care it's got alcohol in it you know i mean Aww. yeah it was i I know that's what I was there for, but I was very tempted to go, no, you're not good enough for this. Back off. <laughs> I am Just not wasting back. I am not wasting good alcohol and the likes of your ass. Get away from here. <laughs> yeah, that didn't work. But, but you know, and then there's the ones that go all the way up to they have to cross they have to cross examine everything they drink. I mean that's it. I had to learn really fast after learning how to judge to leave the damn judge hat in the closet except when I was judging. Or, or it, or it reduced my enjoyment of the meads because I was so busy analyzing them. Mm. Yeah, and and that's kind of where I feel like I'm kind of getting to as well. That it, I, I like the fact that I have learned how to go in and break down on the palate and the nose and all that, and kind of pick out all that stuff and everything. But then once I've gone through all of that, you know, you take your first sip and you swish it around and you do all of that and you try to figure out how much alcohol is in there and how much tannin, if it's got any and what fruit and, and, uh, you know, and I take something that somebody says, Oh, this is a chocolate raspberry. And so I switch it around. I go, yeah, where's the chocolate? Uh, you know, so, but then when I'm all done with that, then I'll take another sip and just take a sip, let it go down. And I'm like, that's good. Okay. That's fine. (laughs) So I, I try to kind of go back to the basics of as a whole, is it, is it good or is it not good? Is this something that, that, you know, Joe six pack is going to want to just go by and drink, you know, or not. So after all the analyzing, you still have to get down to the basics. Yeah. Very, very true. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I go back to do I, or don't I like it? And you know what? Yeah. I, I don't care how it's put together. And I know I've got my wine geek and beer geek friends that are probably going, you know, clutching their heads in horror right now. But <laughs> de- deal with it. If I like it, I'm going to drink it. And I don't really give a rat's behind, you know, is it yeah. well put together? If I like it, I'm not going to go to that place of analyzing it because I'm not that's not what I'm here to do right now. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. When, once a, once a judge hat comes out though, it's all about that, which makes the Mazer cup hard because then you gotta, you gotta learn to sit on the damn thing so that it doesn't come out when you're at a party. You're supposed to be having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same way. I mean, if, if it tastes good, I'm fine with it. If it doesn't, I'm going to tell you, I don't think it tastes good. 
Yeah. I'm not. I'm, I'm not here. I'm so. I'm not here sitting in judgment. I mean, I'm not giving out medals or anything. It's, you know, whatever I like to drink. I mean, if it tastes good, I'm going to buy more bottles of it from you. If it yeah. doesn't, I'm not buying any more from you. I mean, oh yeah. That really is the and bottom I, line. I, I want to know that. I, I want to know that if it doesn't, if it doesn't appeal to your palate, and and, and I'm going to query you, and I'm going to try and figure out: is it just because you don't like the taste, or is it because there's something wrong with it? And yeah, you know, because if there's something wrong with it, I want to fix it. If it's just because of your taste, then hey, maybe this over here will more suit your palate. Why don't we try that? Well, and That's honestly, it. honestly, I mean, there's enough of a culture in the mead world now that if a meadery wants to have their meads privately evaluated by somebody who's who's experienced, um, even if you are, you can't evaluate your own stuff because you're you know built in prejudice there. But um, yeah. you you could you could easily you could easily you know get bottles to three or four people and say. I would love your feedback on this, uh, you know, regarding the actual balance and, you know, and, and construction of the meat itself. Am I missing anything? Do you see a chink in the armor where it's going to cause it to go south if people store it? What, you know, what do you see that I can improve here? Yeah, I, I do have your address, Vicki. So mm. <laughs> yeah, actually, I mean, as, as cool as that would be, you know, as well as I do that I am not in even the top 50 of judges in this country. I'm good, but there are Send people that are, instead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's people like Pete and Ken and, um, you know, and Kurt Stock and Julia. And I mean, there are so many people with amazing yeah. palates who just, they're almost instinctive. I mean, they've got a lot of yeah. experience, but they've got the, they've got the touch me for me. It's work. I have to work for it and, and I love doing it, but it doesn't come to me. I don't know. I think Pete has it in his blood, to be perfectly honest with you, you know, but, um, and I mean, in a way he does, he was, you know, he's several comes, generations back. Exactly. Comes from a culture that is heavy in winemaking and a family who is heavy in winemaking. So he kind of got raised in that, but yeah. yeah, I mean, finding some people that would be willing to, you know, test drive your stuff before you take it to the public and give you honest, equivocal, unbiased responses would be a good thing. You know, and oh, by the way, include a check. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, you know, either that or ask them, you know, ask them if they would like credit or, you know, at the, at the meter or yeah, whatever yeah. it is that they're looking for. I think it'd be cool if, if, if two or three of those people were to set up a service, you know, to do something like yeah. that. You so know, I, I, I kind of tease, tease about that because I know Pete, um, uh, Pete has offered to, uh, you know, take a look at some of our stuff. And of course, um, I know that's what he does and I know that's, um, you know, what he does for a living and everything. So, um, I just kind of like, I, I know he's not <laughs> actually, uh, he's a security, he's a, he's a security geek for a legal firm, but yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> on the side, you know, he's a wine. On expert. the side, he does that <laughs> makes, makes a little bit of money at it. So yeah, um, he does, I, I got yeah. no problem with that. I got no problem with that. Um, you know, if you get a good independent analysis that, you know, you can say, hey, you know, this has been analyzed and it's uh, it's good stuff. So It is. Well, and you know, I mean, he's he's just, he's very good at that. So, I mean, if he's willing to do it, I would never say no to that mm -hmm. kind of an offer from him or any of the people that are in, his, in the same class, you know, like Ken and Julia and Kurt Stock, some of these other people, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, um, I think we've been rambling for quite a while. Do you guys 
Now, we got any callers out there, J.D., or are they all sleeping tonight? No, they're all sound asleep, and uh, Mississippi Chris must be in an operating room somewhere. He hasn't called in yet. Well, and, and oh, and yet. Yeah, uh, David, David Webb, I know you're listening, dude. Yeah, okay, yeah well, hey, um, Brian Schluter, you're on your second bottle of meat or cider, you know, oh, or pizza or whatever. Pick up the phone and call in, dude. It'll be fun. Uh, we did we did hear from Hamish having a shitty day. Boss is not happy with him, so no. He'll Uh-oh. catch up on the podcast. He's not even listening right now. He says, oh, he says, uh, got to give a shout out to the guys from the Australian Mead Makers Group. Ahala, mates. Good job. Keep it going, man. Make more mead. Good deal. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Chris, it's uh, oh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, first caller, 4612. Uh, I think I recognize the number. It's probably Brian. Yeah, you should. This day from Texas. David. Hey, David Webb. he's alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been uh, in the process of cooking dinner and listening at the same time. Yeah. There you go. What's Multitasking. for dinner? Uh, turkey tetrazzini. Oh, nice. my God. He's a chef, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> a surprising, hey, a surprising number of mead makers are also very good cooks. Fun fact there. <laughs> and, I don't doubt uh, that meat makers have good taste. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, David, if you have a question. Or comment. I don't have any specific questions. I've just really enjoyed listening. Uh, I was 30 minutes late getting into the show, but just listening to the regulatory <laughs> issues and other info is just uh, really fascinating to me because I'm thinking in the next five to ten years I'll be facing the same thing. Cool. Yeah, it's definitely something you want to uh, spend a little bit of time looking at before you um, – Take the step. I certainly would not discourage anyone from pursuing that dream if that's what you want to do. It's absolutely worth um, every obstacle that you have to overcome. Um, but, and I've talked to a lot of uh, guys, because like I say, I've been working on our project for easily, you know, five, six, seven years now. And um, I did have a bit of a business background before I started doing it. So I, I had a bit of an idea of what I was going to need to do. I started out writing a business plan and because you absolutely need a business plan. And uh, in the process of doing that, I just did a ton of research. And um, so you got to talk to every level of uh, uh, government, starting with your city or county, wherever you live, um, parish, if you're in Louisiana, um, you know, and find out what you can and can't do there, what the code requirements are, what the liquor requirements are, uh, all those kinds of things. Um, I know, uh, I think it was Sergio that had an issue uh, with it, where he's at because of the way the law was written, it wouldn't even allow him to make need. So he had to get that fixed before he could start. So you got to yeah, do your research and all that, write your business plan. Um, and then just start knocking down all the, the walls as they come up. And, and you'll find one of the things that I found when I actually started the process was that, especially the city of Lakewood, because, when I got into to, uh, when I first went and sat down with the city of Lakewood and, and I love this city, I'm glad we decided to, to move here. 
Um, unlike what I've heard some folks where you have to go from one agency to another, to another, to another, Lakewood brings everybody together at one time and sits you down at the table. So I had the fire department there, the water department was there, Department of Public Works was there, um, the planning folks were there, everybody who had anything to do with regulating what I wanted to do in the city was sitting across the table from me. And it, it only took me about 15 minutes to answer all their questions, to dispel any of their concerns or anything. The only requirement that they came back with for me was that I had to put in a backflow preventer in the water system. And, uh, and we were, we were done and basically got our approval from the city in 15 minutes. And then I spent the next hour and a half talking to them about how to make mead and where it comes from and <laughs> all of that. We've got so, a, uh, we've got another caller, uh, on hold here. Zero zero eighty eight. What's your name? Where are you from? And, uh, welcome to the show. Caller number zero zero eight eight. That's the last four of your phone number. Hello. Hey, Vicki, how are you doing? Hi, pretty good. Yeah, it's Brian. Yeah, it is. Working on, uh, I'm working on my cider. What can I say? Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to buy a bottle of that and try it out. I didn't even know you guys were up making cider. Is this yet. Pizza Brian? This is Pizza yeah, Brian. Is pizza, <laughs> yeah, Pizza, Pizza Orgy Brian. Yep, that's me. <laughs> the Papa, Brian, to, Papa Brian's Pizza, you know. Welcome to the show, uh, Brian. Have you got uh, you got a question or a comment, anything? Uh, oh, he's just a rabble rouser. He's just yep. making trouble. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just here to, uh, you know just to see what you guys are up to. Cool. Appreciate it. Well, we're about, uh, about ready to wrap the segment up and, uh, oh man. And we're just, and we're just going to have fun. That's yeah. what we're doing. You know, we're just, <laughs> that's cool. That's yeah. Uh, Brian, were you doing pizzas all along? Um, actually about two years into our tasting room, uh, we decided that, you know, after looking at all the numbers that, uh, from about six o'clock to eight thirty in the, uh, in the evening, our, uh, tasting room, uh, basically went dead. So what we decided to do is go ahead and make uh, gourmet honey crust pizzas. Of course, this means installing a kitchen and we had some empty space where our fermenting tanks were. Uh, because we had to relocate because we, we got too big for ourselves in our current uh, tasting room location. So uh, we put an oven and freezers and pizza prep station table, hired some, uh, some really fantastic cooks, and uh, then started working it from there. And so, you know, that was two years into it. Last year, we sold 4,900 pizzas. This year, we're already topped out over 5,000. Nice. So didn't yeah. you say you had the Godfather pizza guy in there saying it was one of the best pizzas you'd ever had? Yeah, we had, uh, we had, uh, Willie Thiessen. Uh, I, I actually went when I was in my biker days, hanging out with, with Willie at one of his birthday bash rides, which was, uh, quite memorable. Uh, but yeah, yeah. We, we, we've, uh, crossed paths before with, you know, him and his Ferrari. I got some nice pictures out on my Facebook page about that birthday bash, but yeah. So I got customers that want to uh, franchise out with me tonight from, uh, from the last, you know, latest post that, uh, we had on our site. So that's pretty cool. If I can just, uh, kind of throw it in there, the, the, Hey, Brian, how you doing? Hi. Um, the idea for us, 
yeah, the idea for us to kind of put in a, a little sandwich bar and everything really kind of came from Brian and uh, doing the pizza and having the success that he's got. Um, I've been, you know, watching him for a couple of years and watching him grow and seeing how he's kind of filling that niche. And I just thought that that was, uh, you know, a, a great idea. And uh, I, I like pizza, but I'm, I'm not big into making pizza. I, I worked at a pizza place when I was in high school and swore I'd never do that again. <laughs> so uh, we've, we've kind of decided to go with the sandwiches and stuff instead and see how that goes. But that idea really kind of came from, from Brian. So, yeah, thank, thanks, Chris. The, um, the thing is, you have to put a spin on it. So, you know, honey is everything with a meadery. So that's why we went with the honey crust uh, gourmet pizza. So a lot of customers really enjoy it. And, uh, you know, we, we obviously, you know, we can use that for perks for people to come in. And then, you know, as you can see in the picture, they're walking out with a bottle of, bottle of mead or a bottle of cider. Cool. Which is cool. I mean, it gets them in, it keeps them in. Plus, they'll drink more because they're eating. And exactly. I mean, in every possible way, that's a good thing. Now, if you could just make, you know, make them up, flash, freeze them, and package them up like DiGiorno's and ship them all over the country, <laughs> we'd be good, okay? Because I have... Probably it would be as good as going into the store. No, but yeah, I mean, we had exactly one really awesome pizza place here that was also served craft brews. And I mean, they were right by the university and they went belly up. And I'm like, really? So it leaves us with eh, pizza. Nothing really spectacular here, which sucks. I love yeah, you know, pizza. you know, when you're doing a meter, you really have to diversify. You know, there's only so much you can do for drinking. And especially if you have stuff at 10% alcohol, you better have some food to back it up. Yeah. Yeah. And that sure beats bowls of peanuts, you know. <laughs> well, we've got those two. That's something I agree with. I've always thought there ought to be some more substantial food with it. Yeah, one of the things you want to try and do is go with your local stuff. You know, there's lots of local resources wherever you're at and wherever your meadery is. You know, you're going to have uh, cheese and crackers and have it uh, cheese uh, that's created locally, and uh, people love that stuff. Yeah, Rohan Meadery does that. They've got a cheese place right down the road that they uh, get meat from here in Texas. Uh, get cheese from, I'm sorry. And it, it's quite good, but being from Texas myself, I figured when I open my meadery, I'll have barbecue as well. Oh, barbecue would kill me. I, I, I would love to do a barbecue. I, I go down to Argentina with my wife, and we have a, a what they call asado down there, and it's uh, it's killer killer steak. We've got uh, Chris and David and Brian. I mean, it's just a regular party here. About ready to wrap this segment up and uh, move on to the next. Um, we I think are we kind of there? Yeah, we're we're, we're kind of get yeah. We, we do need to uh, step away and take a commercial break, but uh, y'all are welcome Miss, to hang out, you know. Yeah, Chris, Chris of Mississippi. Yeah, I have a question, for Brian. Oh, okay. David's got a question for Brian. Okay, go ahead. Uh, what what kind of pizza oven do you have, Brian? Uh, we bought a uh, Baker's Pride. It's a four tier oven with. Uh, the actual um, baking stones. Uh, we have a real small place. I mean, this is what was our fermenting room. We turned into a kitchen. It's like seven by ten foot. So it's a it's a baker's pride oven with the with the brick layer, and uh, you have four tiers on that. So you can only produce so many pizzas at a time. But you know, as long as you have a hood and you know you're you're uh, 
basically a, a small pizza prep t uh, station table. It's pretty easy to set up. If you want pictures or something like that, let me know. I'll, I'll shoot you something. You're going to contact me at brian at moonstruckmead.com and we can talk further. Okay, sounds great. I think, yeah. um, I, I, you know, I, I was just going to say, I think uh, Mississippi Chris was listening to us in the operating room. He must have heard me because he sent me a text and said he was waiting for a patient to wake up. <laughs> I think he's on the phone now. <laughs> must be nice to be a surgeon. You know, Hamish got in trouble for listening to us at work. <laughs> I was in recovery, actually, not in the OR. Oh. <laughs> yeah, can you can can you see that and be like, could you put her under further? All that moaning is obstructing my listening of the Got Me Live. <laughs> I wish yeah. people would learn to when to have a heart attack, you know, and when not to. Chickies are off limits. Chris, I totally oh, get it. Chris, the day before I was supposed to leave to go to San Francisco to go to the use uh, the Robert Mondavi Institute of Food and Wine to uh, sit on a mead industry branding board. I mean, like, so excited I could hardly stand it. And then after that, I was visiting three different meaderies in the area, and I ended up in the ER with multiple pulmonary embolisms. I was like, seriously? Could the timing have possibly been worse? Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm basically trapped at home, and they've got me on blood thinners, and I'm not going anywhere for a while. <laughs> Oh yeah, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna have to stay away from the alcohol for a while too. Oh yeah, yeah. Been lamenting I, that already. I yeah, I'm, I'm being a good girl. I'm being a good girl, but yeah, they haven't even got my levels worked out yet. But yeah, it sucked like totally big time. Um, the yeah. only upside to it was that everybody I was like the car rental and the hotel and the plane people all refunded my money. Oh, going nice. to the going to the ER has its benefits. Yeah. <laughs> we're uh, oh, yeah. we need uh, we've got a couple of plugs that we need to get out of the way. So uh, we're going to step away, take a commercial break. When we come back, it's a party on God Me Live. You don't want to wander off. Stick around. If you're a mead maker, you need GotMead.com. It is the absolute best and most complete resource for mead making you will ever need. The forum consists of recipes, discussion on equipment, techniques, and methods, complete with its own batch calculator. GotMead.com offers everything you need to start making mead today. And for just $25 a year, as a patron member, you'll have access to proven award-winning recipes, fermentation management, equipment discussion, and a whole lot more. GotMead.com. Sign up today. If you're a mead maker, a book you need to have on the shelf is Mad About Mead by Pamela Spence. Look for it, grab it, if you can. It's been out of print for a while. But if you can find it, add it to your library. And while you're at it, check out pamspence.com. Pam is an active storyteller, author, community minister, and is the editor for local newspapers in Columbus, Ohio. You can find her most recent book, Glad Rags, Red Panties, Cowgirl Boots, and A Sweet Dress to Die For at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Please visit pamspence.com for more. Hey, this is J.D. Webb from Got Mead Live. You know, it's all about the mead here at Got Mead. And I have to tell you, I am in love with Fling from Moonlight Meadery. The way they balance the tartness from the rhubarb against the semi-sweet strawberry and orange blossom honey is just amazing. Do yourself a favor. Go buy some Moonlight Meadery meads now. Visit them at their online store at moonlightmeadery.com forward slash store or ask for it where you shop. Demand it where you shop. Ask for Moonlight Meadery meads. 
Growing up in a culture where home winemaking was a way of life, Sergio Mutella naturally began making wine himself as an adult, finding his way into brewing beer and eventually his discovery of mead. Earning numerous mead-making awards, Melovino opens his doors, becoming the first meadery in the Garden State. Featuring 20 different craft meads with amazing variety, Melovino is the fastest-growing meadery in the country. Melovino offers tastings and tours every weekend, and all of their meads are available online, shipping to 22 states across the country. Go to melovino.com and book your tour and tasting today. Located at 2933 Vauxhall Road near the rear of the Milburn Mall in Vauxhall, New Jersey. Melovino.com. And, uh, you know, I'm, I don't know. I just, I got to start remembering to push the damn record button every time we go to commercial. Some of the, some of the conversations that take place between times <laughs> uh, are not it, to be aired for the party. Thank you. <laughs> it's, protect, it's protected, right? Yeah, exactly. We all have businesses to run, and I can think of all kinds of different ways that can snap back on some of us, you know? We're, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm going to go with the Trump on that one. I, I'll speak like Donald Trump. I don't think. I, well, I know you will, Brian. That's, that's, don't worry We're about here you. with uh, Chris from Mississippi, Dr. Chris in the house, uh, David Webb, uh, Texas Dave, Brian, uh, Pizza Brian, we're going to call him. And yeah, I mean, the pizza porn he put up on the uh, God Mead Facebook deal there, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, a, it's all over to me. Uh, Chris, do we call you Sergeant, Lieutenant, Captain, General? Call him Chris. Well, I'm, I, I'm a Sergeant First Class, so if you were to uh, formally address me, it would be a Sergeant. But, yeah, uh, just don't call him <laughs> Sir. He works for a living. Yeah. Regular party here on God Mead Live. And. Um, who are we talking to? I missed the first part of the show. Oh, uh, we've got Chris Weber, who is uh, owner of the soon-to-be Outlander Keat Meadery, and um, he's in process of getting his federal. He's in uh, he's in Western Washington. Chris, are you? You're not in Dupont, aren't you? In like, like I'm in the next, city of Lakewood. You're in Lakewood. Okay, I knew you were like yeah. just the way. You're not far from Sammy's, but yeah, I couldn't remember no. if you're actually in there. Um, yeah, the, the North Fort, the North Fort Lewis is between her and I. So yeah. she's in Dupont, which is on the the west side of North Fort, and I'm in Lakewood, which is on the east side of North Fort. It's only, I, sh- I think we're only maybe ten miles apart. Yeah, well, she's moving. They're, they they found a house that they're moving to a house on the other side of Dupont in January. Oh, so okay. they've been yeah. throwing all kinds of really broad hints, like, "Gosh, mom, it'd be really great if you guys had come to visit in January." <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, since you're here, we need to move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I said, "Well, honey, you know what? We your dad and I did was we bought pizza and we bought a keg of beer, and all of our friends were very happy to come over and help us." Hmm. We're uh, just a party going on here at Got Me Live. We uh, have moved out of our interview with Chris. Chris, thank you very much. You're welcome yeah. to stick around. Um, <laughs> welcome again, to the insanity. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for your commitment and your service in the uh, National Guard. Sure. We... Um, I was had been working on this pumpkin thing uh, for a while. We made it kind of kind it's of a the great pumpkin, pumpkin update. Well, it's the great uh-oh. pumpkin, JD. <laughs> the great pumpkin, JD. Yeah, uh, there's not a whole lot to report. Um, in fact, there's really nothing to report. 
uh, it's Uh-oh. sitting by itself. We've already racked it. We talked about that uh, a couple of shows ago. Um, so it's sitting by itself, calmly calming down after that massive uh, explosion of tartness that we experienced after the 308 grams of acid that had to go into it. Actually, it didn't have to go in, but uh, it's one of those newbie things where somebody says 3.5 on the pH meter is a good thing. So when I went to 4.9, I panicked and dumped a crap load of acid in. So that was the we, wrong thing to do. We, we have all uh, chastised him roundly, but if y'all would like to get some licks in, here's your chance. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, I'm taking, I, I took, I, I've got a batch of strawberry, uh, you know, slap my hand, Oscar, uh, because I swore I would not do anything else until I've gotten, you know, several more traditionals out of the way, but. I got a defrostus freezer that I have, and it contained like 17 pounds of strawberries. So I, I dumped it all in a fermenter. Uh, 11 pounds of uh, of, of um, gosh, I can't even remember now. Mesquite honey, I think it was. And I had to add a pound of sugar to get the uh, gravity up to 1.140. Um, I finished out at one point. Uh, zero three five. I in fact I stopped it. Um, I racked it. I chemmed it. It's back in the fermenter and it's at forty. I gotta turn out a book. It's at forty four degrees. Uh, so I'm chilling it, uh, chilling it down. Uh, so so that's that's kind of being worked on. So the pumpkin thing is uh, just resting uh, for now. Sitting quietly uh, in its corner. Uh, how, yeah. how did your acid adjustment work out? Terribly. <laughs> okay, explain. Were you nasty to the yeasties or what? Well, I mean, everything was going along fine, and then I mean, and it tasted good, uh, uh, you know, and and then and then he touched it, and then I touched. He made he made the fatal mistake. He went by the numbers instead of taste. Yeah, and I, and I should have listened. You know, if I had Chris come on. Uh, you know, a show or so before that happened, I probably, you know, would not have done it. I would have listened. Ah, yeah, spread the blame. But <laughs> well, no, 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 no. It's, 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 it is my fault. I mean, I, I, I should have known better. It tasted fine when I when I added the uh, acid. I should have left it alone. But you know, I mean, I'm the newbie, so you hear things, you talk to people, you read things. Uh, you know, and one of the biggest things that stuck with me is, you know, everybody says, get a pH meter. It did that. Your pH should be 3.5. So I'm like keyed in on 3.5. It was okay. No. I, I learned no, later. The pH was, should be no higher or no lower than. Yeah. And, and it, yeah. You know, I learned later that it was okay at 4.9. Nothing drastic was going to happen. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah, so you want to, yeah, with something like that, you know, letting it go natural is the best, the best option because the yeast, the yeast and uh, the fermentation process is going to, it's going to adjust for you and make it right. Yeah. So the only thing is on something above four pH, then you know you have issues as far as uh, sulfiting and uh, preserving it uh, fairly young. So. Yeah. Well, and uh, you know, again, I mean, uh, this whole this whole 
I, I put the pressure on Vicky to start this whole show mainly so I could learn more about making mead by getting yeah. the professionals involved. But it's also for people like me the, out the there. The comes out. Yeah. And, and for other people out there who, who take an interest in making mead. And uh, we've learned a lot of lessons along the way through what uh, 16 shows now I think 17 this is show 18 17 shows Uh, and we've learned a lot there's just been so much uh, that yeah, but, okay so. now the one thing that, that Pete has been preaching from the get go is learn the traditionals yes. first and you know stop and, and I'm guilty of this too I didn't have Pete so I you know I can claim ignorance and get away with it you don't have this excuse um, <laughs> you know it's to just I mean he's right too if you can make an awesome traditional the rest of the be- the rest of it is easy because in a traditional and I've said this a million times a traditional there's no place to hide there is not you can't hide your flaws behind way cool strawberries or peppers or whatever if you can make a really bitchin traditional then you got it nailed yeah right. yeah and that's uh you know I've, I've got my traditional uh going pete uh, helped me with that uh, he's been a very good consultant on my uh you know on my mead making experience here my my mead Hope you're gonna expense. send him a few bottles oh yeah absolutely well i mean he wants me to enter it in the mazer cup and i'm thinking no dude i'm not i'm not like no, why that. not where else are you gonna get the opportunity <laughs> to get feedback Okay, Brian, you've you've entered a buttload of meads into the Mazer Cup. Has the feedback been helpful? Yes, absolutely. We've actually, uh, we've gone beyond that too. We've we've been out to the international competitions worldwide. Uh, Ukraine, Argentina, Hong Kong. I mean, we've been pulling double gold medals from uh, in places uh, like Israel. Uh, It's nice to swing it around the world to make sure that you get a a good opinion on on how you uh, how you're doing. Yeah, and, and you're getting no. you're getting different palettes there too because style. Oh, absolutely. From country and, and to country, one, yeah. Yeah, and you know what? The best the best palette is is the is the neighbor. Go go check with your neighbor and, and see see if he likes it because you know if they start showing up at your house and drinking drinking off your tap or out of your bottles, then um, you could be like got, Chris. <laughs> yeah, you got something. My well, neighbors was- have. My neighbors have ankle-biting dogs that bark continuously all day long, and I've given them my my mistakes, and I love it, and I just can't figure out for the life of me why. Why the dogs are still alive, or why your why your neighbors are? Why my why my why my neighbors like my mistake needs? Well, that's the thing, though. Like uh, Jennifer was talking about that last week. Is you know there are certain things that are popular and that other people like, and even if you yourself don't like them, like he, uh, like um, Chris, you were talking about making. Uh, capsicum um not your thing but if it's that popular you'll make it right so you have to get over what you like as well and make things that other people like when you're going commercial chris uh chris is actually signed off he uh yeah he's uh, uh his uh, well, I, I, I can I can tell you a story about that, Vicky. Um, I, I went to a, uh, an, a another extreme beer fest here locally in Omaha, and uh, you get mead makers coming out of the woodwork giving your stuff. You know, hey, try this, try that, oh, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they had a they had a a pepper mead that, that that two of them they wanted me to try and 
I mean, I took one sip and I, oh my dear God, <laughs> I thought I was going to lose my throat. Did you get to taste the one that Mike Fall brought to, uh, was it last year, I think, at UC Davis? We were having a, it might have been two years ago, I lose track after a while. We were having a get together and he had taken Malia, you know, that's a sweet traditional. Yeah. And so he, he took Malia and somebody gave him a bag of 100 ghost peppers. And so he dropped oh one God. ghost pepper. And those are, those are only, uh, what are the, they're not, Five hundreds. They're those tall yeah, they're bottles. Oh, they're they're like, yeah, Scoville units are off the scale. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 I don't mean the peppers, but the Malia bottles are the tall, really thin bottles. So they're they're not. Uh, I, I think they may be th- three seventy fives or five hundreds, probably. I think they're five hundreds. But anyway, so yeah, yeah, we dropped one ghost pepper. Yeah, like a zillion on the on the on the Scoville into the bottle and let him sit and then brought this with him and he's like try this and i just touched my lips to it my lips like fell off my face it was like oh my god oh it was so hot (laughs) he was if i ever make something like that i'm putting a warning on it oh oh, well he was just trying he was just messing with us because he wanted (laughs) to see the reactions you know but um of course the pepperheads in the crowd all thought it was totally awesome but you know you want to hear you want to hear a little factoid on where all of this bit with the peppers started is actually it goes all the way back to Garth Cambray. He had back when we were still doing, um, we were still doing the international mead festival when David, uh, owner of Redstone was doing it. And uh, I want to say this is the year we were in Denver. Denver. Garth Cambray came came up with uh, his, his meads and he had this pepper mead that just like flew off the tables. Somebody's, uh, somebody's got their radio turned up. No, I started yeah, echoing for some reason. I don't know why. There. Yeah. He, he, he had his meads on the table and he had his pepper mead. And I kid you not, I mean, they opened the doors. I was manning a table outside. I got a break 15, 20 minutes in, went straight to that table to try this pepper mead. Nobody had ever heard of a mead with peppers in it. So and it was gone. All of it was completely gone. And a table was completely mm-hmm. mobbed. You know, it was, it was nuts, but that's where, you know, just an interesting little mead factoid that that's where that all started with the whole pepper yes. mill. Speaking about the, the, the pepper meads and capsimel, we actually have six double gold medals on that label now. Nice. Wow. Nice. World, are you taking your stuff? Are you taking your stuff to Apomondia? Uh, yeah, we're going to be, well, it actually, uh, we just got done over in Israel, but, uh, it's, uh, it, it's something that if, if, if we can get to it, we will. So, okay. yeah, it's yeah a- the, the honey, the, the worldwide honey festival is always cool to attend. And the last one was over in Ukraine and actually mm-hmm. my, my wife, my wife went to that one. I had an invitation and a table at that one. Um, the polls were taking care of us again, but I, I just couldn't go. The timing was right on top of some other things that I had to do. So, yeah, you know? she brought me back. She brought me back a bulva, so I'm I'm happy. You know, it's mm-hmm. at that club, the club with the round club with uh, the the uh, spikes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> nice, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah it, looks, it looks like it's going to be what twenty in Istanbul. So. What, uh, Chris? Oh, what Chris was that? Chris was saying something there. No, just tell him I'll be there in a second. Oh, he's he's off. Page. He's, he's, his Chris has not stuff to do. Code blue, code blue. Hopefully not. I'm, I'm talking about drinking. Can't you see I'm busy? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That'll go over well. Yeah, right. I know. I'm done with my surgery. I don't the, have uh, straight uh, anymore. company wants to hear. Yeah, 
Oh, well, here we better go. to be talking about alcohol than imbibing it when okay, you're. Okay, Brian, Brian, we need to, we need to, we've got uh, four years to get our shit together in 2019. Epimonia is in Montreal. That sounds good. Yeah, then we did, we need to just take a whole gang of people up there. AJ, you know what? Too. Yeah, that one I, I can't I can't not go to that then. Yeah, you, cool, don't, cool. you don't need a passport for that. Keep for asking me that. Yeah. Coolest thing about about Apple Windows, that's you know you get all the honey people, you get mead makers. It's it's a good deal. Yeah, and they've been. Uh, I know that I don't know what the Mazer Cup's doing. Um, if they're still working with them, but at one point we had started talking with them about doing some uh things together you know trying to pull some things together so i know there's it's it's happening but you know it's juggling all the balls and everything so right right keeping it all together but that's that's um, something that'll hopefully happen soon how's the heart murmur doing chris oh geez (laughs) i think i'm gonna go back to my original recipe uh i tried the variation I, i i sort of um altered the uh, proportions of the black currant to cherry and I think I like the first one better. Uh, turns out, I guess I like more black currant than I thought. So, um. <laughs> um, Brian, I don't know if you've been listening, but Chris is doing a Heart of Darkness clone and it's called Heart Murmur. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I'm familiar. Okay. Didn't know if you if you yeah. heard him when he was talking about that. So. Yeah, yeah I, I started out uh, the first first go was a three to one ratio three three parts uh, cherry juice to one part black currant uh, I cut that back I went to three and a half to a half and uh, I don't like it as well I think the black currant adds uh, uh, it's adding something it's adding some body and something that I really like in it so I think I'm gonna go back to my original and I'm gonna try one more little tweak before I uh, call it done, you know, and we're going to see how this next batch goes. And I'm just hoping it gets ready for the Mazer Cup because I would like to enter it, but uh, I don't know. I think it may benefit from a little aging. No, there's always what, next uh, year. What, what what kind of honey did you use in that, Chris? Uh, well, the first go, I used uh, blackberry blossom, and uh, the second round, I used wildflower. And I think I'm going to stick with the wildflower because uh, it's got a lot more floral notes to it. And uh, I really think the floral, um, it takes it away from being wine-like to, to really, it, it says that it's mead. And uh, and that's what I wanted. So it's not overpowering. Uh, you know, everything about this thing is really kind of strong flavors. You know, it's, it's really big and... Uh, uh, it, it almost like it grows when you take a sip of it. It just gets bigger and bigger, and uh, that's that's sort of what I was after because I've never tasted the original. I'm going on. I've read like 500 reviews online of of the original and making notes and oh, it, it tastes this way or it's this way and. Uh, sort of come out with an average of a picture in my mind of what I think it tastes should taste like, and uh, so we'll see. Regardless of whether it does or not, it's still a good mead, and so we'll we'll see what the judges think. Cool. Well, we uh, I, I was going to start this segment and talk about some, you know, I, 
I'm a big Rube Goldberg fan. And oh, here we go. Maybe you got to be my age to know. Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna save this for the next show. We're actually running out of time here. Um, but there's some equipment that I've been able to put together uh, with a little bit of thought, with pieces of uh, some different things that I picked up from Amazon, the hardware store, that has really made life easier, uh, especially for me because I don't have to lift these damn you know, 800 pound carboys up, uh, onto the kitchen counter anymore. Um, I can leave them all sitting on the floor and rack from one to the other to my fermenters, uh, without, uh, too much trouble. And I didn't have to spend, you know, $220 on a wine pump. Uh, but we'll go over some of that, uh, and I, I was going to try to get around to putting up some pictures of some of the things that I that I purchased that I you know put together this uh, equipment. But we'll we can do that on the next show for sure. J- JD, is that is that something to do with the significant other helping you to just pump it over or what? <laughs> no, uh, no, this is a, this is a total JD thing. Uh, the significant other. Uh, she sleeps. She works at night and uh, sleeps during the daytime. She does significantly other things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Besides that, she carries a gun for a living. So I gotta oh. be careful. <laughs> yeah, so, you better make uh, more need for her. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this thing, uh, this is my, this California. is this mead making and wine making thing is kind of my retirement. Uh, it keeps me uh, occupied. So. I, I said that too, and then I started working 14 hours after I quit my day job. <laughs> so, thanks. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, so doing what you love means doing it for a whole lot more hours. Yeah. Well, you, you know what? If you do what you love, it, it's never work. So Not that's, really, that's, no. That's, yeah, that's the way it is. Hey, I, I want to put a plug out there for the Mazer Cup joining the. Uh, World Association of Writers and Journalists of Wines and Spirits, the WAWWJ, makes a big difference. Uh, a lot of people have been asking me questions about that as far as scores and how to get out there and, uh, you know, get on the world presence. And I, I love the fact that Mead is number one out there right now. Yeah, that is so cool. Yeah, yeah that was cool when I saw that. Yeah, it's you know what there we're not alone. There's if you look down the list, there's meadries out there doing it as well. So more the merrier. I was, um, I, you know, I mean now that he's here with us, I was going to do this plug, uh, this uh, mention. I always like to mention uh, somebody that I run across, uh, kind of a cool thing in the forum that I found or on the Facebook page or whatever. I found this thing from this guy. His name is Brian Schlut- uh, Schlut- Schluter. Yeah, at that's Moose- the guy. At Moose- yeah, that, yeah, that, that would be the pizza guy. Yeah. Truck <laughs> feed, rolling in dough and mead year to date. Catch this, folks. 5,047 pizzas sold. 7,500 bottles. That's 681 bottles a month. From the brick yeah. and mortar location. So, so that's like what two thirds of a bottle <laughs> per pizza? About? Yeah. Well, you, you know, I, what I'm afraid about is the pizza's going to catch up with the bottles. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna, Good you're truck. gonna need more minions pretty soon, there, Brian. <laughs> oh, trust me, I love my minions. They're, uh, I, I don't, you know, I go to work at like I start at three or four in the morning. 
and they finished the evening off and they close it out good so they're they've been good good many ends and uh he's in uh he's in nebraska and i gotta say this um the only you know the few times that i was in nebraska brian was way back uh, when i had a ranch in northern colorado and my cousin and i used to fill both the beds of our pickup truck with coors beer and drive it over the border into nebraska and sell cases of coors beer for twenty dollars this was in 19 this is about 1973 okay i, I thought I you were gonna say i expected coyotes <laughs> no, no you could not get coors beer in nebraska and uh, yeah. it was a big deal at that i don't know if they can now or not but back then you could not get coors beer in nebraska and my cousin and I used to make several hundred dollars a weekend uh, selling, uh, just park on the side of the road and sell Coors, yeah. uh, cases of Coors beer. So that sounds pretty yeah. illegal there, JD. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm pretty yeah. sure the statute of limitations has <laughs> expired on beer smuggling. People, uh, people around this part of the country used to do something similar to that with something called shine. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you mean hey, used uh, to? What do you mean used to, Chris? Huh? What, Dave? Moonshine, that's why my family left Mississippi and came to Texas. That's why Dave's family left Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> so, so did they go because that's where they got chased to and they decided they liked that better than Mississippi? Yeah, I don't, uh, if, I, if I did my research on the Mississippi-Tennessee border, there's some court records somewhere. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I think uh, today they're probably in the state border. Yeah, I think today uh, from from Colorado, from Colorado over to you know to Nebraska, it's it's more weed. I'm 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 wondering if there's ever going to be a meadery over in Colorado that's going to make a weed meat. Weed meat. There's there's been there's, there's been, been some discussion. bad chatter. Yeah, there's been some chatter going on about it, but I don't know that anybody's done it. Um, yeah, commercial, I don't know. I mean, you have to be, yeah, you have we, to be careful. Yeah, weed is legal, but I'm not sure if then taking the weed and putting it into something else is legal. I don't know where that stops. So, yeah, right. that's a that's a tricky Definitely one. There, check your but... regulations first. <laughs> Before we head out, uh, if you're in Nebraska, Bellevue, Nebraska, Moonstruck Me, 2221 Madison Street in Bellevue, Nebraska. Hit Brian Schluter. Uh, I'm never going to get that name right. Hit Brian up. Go to that pizza place he's got. And uh, we want to know what uh, what it tastes like. So uh, do you deliver, Brian? <laughs> uh, well, maybe Flash Frozen someday, according to Vicky. But, yeah. That would be nice. It'd be like De Schluter's Pizza, you know. It's in your freezer yeah, near you. It'd be cool. Nice, uh, nice get get German it, pizza. I, I told my wife. I told my wife I'm going to name the name the pizzeria Panisci Pizza because it sounds so Italian. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank uh, we thank Chris uh, Weber from uh, Lakewood, uh, Washington, for coming on the show earlier tonight, and of course Dr. Chris, Mississippi Chris, Texas Dave in the house with us, yep. Brian from Nebraska, AJ, Vicky, and I. Hey, have a good night. We'll see you next time on Got Me Live. Thanks for coming, everybody. Did we actually end a show on time? Nah, really. 